How's everybody doing? How is everybody doing? This is officially season two of the Talk Too Much podcast. If you have been one of like the three people that have known about this podcast since I was doing a sports podcast, you would know uh, that this is actually like season 18. But in terms of this run, episodes one through 77, 76, this was season, that was season one. This is season two, people. This is season two. So, to be honest with you, I just took a little bit of a break after 76 straight episodes. No excuse. Uh, work on the way. And that caused, you know, caused me to take a little bit of a break. No excuses. Um, this is season two. It's This podcast is revamped. I said to myself, you guys, you know, I heard Draymond Green say this. Never, and this is advice for ever, for everybody out there. Never stop doing what got you to where you are. And for me, that was podcasting. That was podcasting. So this this is me revamping the show. Um, my first episode today is with my friend, a good guy. His name is Karen. Karen um, is the CEO and founder of Crowdwise. Crowdwise is a DAO marketplace, a marketplace for DAOs, a platform that lets you track DAO activity. And there's a couple of these coming out, and I love I love how Karen explained throughout his, this episode what separates this DAO marketplace from other ones. Um, now there aren't any dominant, any, there's not a big name out there for DAO marketplaces, um, but right now there's a couple right now organizations similar to Crowdwise that are are creating these marketplaces and. When I say marketplaces, I don't just mean DAO marketplaces. I mean specified NFT marketplaces. And that's the message I wanted to send to you guys throughout this episode is this NFT space is shifting. You see guys like Karen and, and, and Crowdwise creating uh, a, a marketplace for DAOs. There's going to be a marketplace for healthcare digital assets, a marketplace for car digital assets, a marketplace for tech digital assets, for software digital assets. There's going to be more open seas popping up, except these open seas are going to be representing specified industries. That's what I could see us moving into going forward, and that's where I want to I want to cover in this show is going for season two. I want to be season one. I really tried getting a lot of big guests on. Season two, I'll do the same, but I'm going to be talking about unique topics, topics that I see foresee the NFT space going into, and so this is season two is going to be a little bit more of my spin on it, you know, and um, this is what I want to start with. I want you guys to understand there's going to be more open seas popping up. If you, any of you know what sound.xyz is, it's a music NFT marketplace. Go look at that website. Please go look at the website. There's NFTs, music NFTs that have sold and generated hundreds of ETH, thousands of ETH, hundreds of thousands of ETH. Snoop Dogg's NFT did that. So there's music NFT marketplaces coming up that I honestly think you should all look into and start looking into DAO marketplaces, play to earn gaming marketplaces. There's going to be different sectors of the NFT space um, popping up and look at those platforms that are hosting these digital assets because there'll be opportunity for you guys there as investors as whatever. So yes, that's this is the theme of today's episode and let's, without further ado, let's get into it.
now, we were just saying, you Crowdwise is a DAO-specific marketplace. It's different from OpenSea and LooksRare and these other mar generalized marketplaces. Your value proposition is you want a place for DAOs to organize. You want to create a marketplace where people don't have to scatter Twitter in a disorganized and chaotic fashion to find which DAOs to invest in. You're looking to create a kind of like a Robin Hood for DAOs. So my question was, how are you planning on doing that? Yeah, so kind of going back to just the question itself, Right? When you look at the current ecosystem and how you discover DAOs, you're going through Twitter, right? You're going through a thousand tweets of people trying to shill their products. A lot, maybe there's some good gems in there, but you, it's really hard to tell, right? Like, does this guy have a lot of followers because he just copies other people's tweets? Does this, you know, like, is there, is there real content here? Can I trust this guy? And then you have to join the discords, you have to weed through that. It's not an easy process and it favors the people with time and money resources to get to the top. If the big goal of crypto is to let everyone win and have everyone have access to everything, then by creating these barriers, these time and effort barriers actually lead to the people at the top winning again, right? It, it creates the same power structure that exists for traditional finance, which is something that we need to get away from. So I, I believe that DAOs specifically have, are, I think they're the coolest product in the crypto space. Right now, NFTs are hot and coins are hot, but I think DAOs specifically are the coolest product in the crypto space because they allow people to organize and actually do things that could affect the real world. But you know, discovering DAOs, finding communities is really hard. So by building a marketplace for this type of product, what we're allowing people to do is easily discover DAOs. If you go to say Robinhood and you want to find uh, you know a consumer products company, and you don't know what the companies are, you could just go into the you know click on the magnifying glass, click on consumer, the little chiclet button, and boom, Johnson and Johnson, Procter and Gamble, whoever else, they all come up, two clicks, and you see all the companies available to you. You can't do that today with DAOs. If I say Oh, you know, I want to fund. I want to help Ukraine with this fight, right? Like we, you and I may know about Ukraine DAO, but a lot of people probably don't. So how do they find that? Like they're gonna go out looking for solutions they don't really know, right? Or if I want to buy these NFTs and I want to pool money with people, how do I do that? Flamingo DAO, okay, but I know about that. Does, does someone else know about that, right? Unless you're really initiated in this space, and really it's a space that's run by insider information and a lot of hype, but. If you can get past that and you can say, hey, everything's discoverable immediately with a couple clicks of a, of a button, suddenly that all goes away. I could find the DAOs that meet my interests. I can read up on them all from the same spot. I can look through the proposals all from the same location and I could see, okay, this is their mission. This is how they've been executing on that. These are their assets that they have on hand because it's a DAO, it's completely transparent. It lives on the blockchain. If I have all of that at my fingertips, all within a couple of clicks for every DAO in the world, suddenly DAOs become a lot more approachable, right? They become as approachable as stocks are in the stock market, except they're even more transparent because I get to exercise governance over it. I don't need to wait for quarterly reports to find out how it's doing. I get to see day to day how this is doing and if I want to be part of this or not. And, and how does, so that's beautifully said, how does the UI UX look, look like for this marketplace? So how are these DAOs, so me as the user, how do I kind of visualize these DAOs? How do I view them in front of me? Yeah, that's actually a great question. So we spent a lot of time, I think a lot more time than a traditional company would on exactly that problem because we want to make this as approachable for the non-initiated as possible. I, you know, I actually hold once a month a talk with some of my colleagues that don't understand crypto at all and I try to inform them about this. And to them, it's like the jargon is just so beyond them every day, right? 
Like they're like, I don't know, what, what even is a white paper, right? What what are the what's an ERC seven twenty one? They need to know that, yeah. They need to know that, right? Yeah. But like, what what are these things? It, 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 every day you have to learn a whole new set of of, of uh, you know technologies just to understand this, at least from a theoretical level, and. We said we can't. We just can't have that, right? If we want this this goal of mass adoption of crypto, it has to be simplified. Simplified. I want to specify simplified, not stupefied, right? Like we don't want to make it stupid, like to the point that it, it kind of feels almost idiotic. Because again, we need to keep that that level of uh, you know clout for the actual product itself. But we want to make it simplified enough that people can say, okay, I understand it. I understand this. So we've we've really attacked attacked the jargon in the space. We tried to simplify jargon as much as possible. We, and we've built it to look like a marketplace, not exactly like, but similar to kind of between, I guess if you had to say between, I'd say between Robinhood and OpenSea, right? So a marketplace that's very accessible, it's very easy to understand what you're looking at, very easy to see information and to look up information very simply. So the goal is everything, every DAO in the world within four clicks, that's the goal. So let me, let me ask you this then, because now, if the UI UX looks like a mixture kind of like Robinhood and OpenSea, how would the DAO asset look like? Is it an NFT that I'm investing in, that I'm purchasing, or is it kind of like, can you explain that process really quickly? Oh, sure, sure. So imagine if you're on Robinhood and you see like... By the way, can, is there a way to share? Do you have a, do you have a built out? Uh, or, I, could share, uh, I could share some mocks here. If, I, I, if, you want to, if you don't want to, you don't have to. I'm just saying there is a share button in case you were interested. Yeah, my you, computer's uh, been getting pretty glitchy lately with figma because it keeps it gets like really like yeah, yeah you're good yeah, yeah you don't have to say yeah yeah no worries okay but let me walk you through it so like if you can imagine like on a normal stock trading app if you want to click on apple you can click on it it'll take you to the apple page right so let's say i were to create a DAO to invest in uh you know board apes let's call it ape investment DAO, right because there's already an ape DAO. so let's call it ape investment DAO. Uh, you can, you'll see all the DAOs listed out similarly to how stocks are listed out, right? You click on it, you go to that DAOs page. When you're on that DAOs page, it has uh, four tabs. So the first one will show you the performance of the DAO historically. So you'll see its assets movements over time, as well as the projected value of its. Is it, yeah. is it a collection of all of its assets? It's a generalized number of all of its assets, or is it it's each of its asset projects individualized? Collect, uh, collected of all the assets. Okay. We want to see the top level performance of this DAO. Okay. At, at the top, right? So this is a quick summary, right? When you first go to the page, you see the top level performance of this DAO over time. Uh, and then you also see the description of the DAO. Like, this is our goal, this is our mission, this is the kind of things we're gonna look to do, right? Then from there, there's tabs where you can go to proposals and see historical proposals, ones that have already uh, been completed as well as ones that are still pending. You can vote on them there. You can see uh, into the treasury. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You can vote on DAO? So when a DAO, so I have two questions. I'm so sorry. Like, this is interesting. I'm trying to learn step by step. That's why I keep. So would a DAO have to sign up with your software to integrate their proposal mechanisms into your app for that to happen? Yeah. So this is actually pretty cool. So we have uh, a big tight. roadmap ahead of us. So the first few, the first, like the first part of our roadmap is uh, we're only going to host DAOs that are created through our system. And we can create a DAO in under three minutes, which is really cool. Uh, then we're going to be building out the tools to actually get other DAOs into our system. So they're going to be able to plug into our system, which is really cool. Because one of the one of the cool things about Web three in general is that you have your assets, you own your assets. If you you can take your assets to like some place and say, okay, I like I like this website. I'm going to host my assets here and use them. But as soon as that space no longer uh, you know meets your criteria, you can pick up your assets and go somewhere else. We're building the tools for people to bring their DAOs into our space. 
Dude, I I, I want to. I'll talk to you about this off air after the episode really quickly. Um, but it's just hilarious as you're talking. I'm just laughing because I'm kind of going through an exact mirror process. Like even 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 in, in another sector like that I'm building right now, um, where I was thinking the same thing. Where I'll first use use the platform, utilize it as a launch pad to establish credibility and and slowly but subtly move in then open it up to the public. So I, I kind of, was, when you said that strategy, I was just laughing because it, it is before, I do think you have to test it out and perfect like the, the way it works before you open it up to every doubt to just integrate inside of it. But I do think, if I'm being honest, to, to, say, to comment on this is what you're describing, this product you're describing, I do believe, and uh, I do believe this is the solution that would make DAOs a prevalent thing in society. Like the reason they're not big is because this doesn't exist. No one knows what the fuck DAOs are, or like we know what they are. No one knows how to like like a company is a stock or, or an NFT, but a DAO like they needs a form of representation. So I feel like everybody kept talking about DAOs these last two years. This is the product that's needed for them to hit that mainstream level. Yeah, exactly. We completely agree. In fact, when we uh, originally we were speaking to VCs. And uh, you know, a lot of VCs, they said, we love this product, this has to exist, there's no way this doesn't exist in the future. Our one concern is, is this too early, right? And it's, what we, it's exactly what you said. We say, it's not What'd too you, early. Yeah, what, what, what did you say to that? Not too early. The reason why DAOs, even though they've been taking off like crazy, the reason you feel it's too early is because these tools don't already exist, right? As the day that you see oh, someone yes. else with these tools, the day you see these tools on the market, you're gonna say, oh wow, DAOs are ready, let's go, let's invest in everything DAOs, right? It's like with OpenSea. Before OpenSea, what, maybe 1% of, of people that now own NFTs even knew what an NFT was, right? It's pretty easy to argue that at that point, it was way too early to make a product for NFTs. Now OpenSea is worth $13 billion. NFTs are on the cover of everything. I think on Time's top 100 uh, companies recently, OpenSea was on the cover, right? Like. You're not too early when you're creating the space. You're, wow. you know, you, you get to dictate that timeline then. It's it's interesting that you say that because I think that's so like beautifully said and and that goes back to the concept of that goes back to NFTs why they're not really mainstream is because builders need to do these type of things in each sector and apply them. And when people yeah. say it's too early, it's hilarious. Those are like I don't want to insult people, but those are like scared people who just don't know how to execute or make moves. It's like I've never in my life, when I had an idea, thought it wasn't appropriate to execute. I never even, I've never even felt any hesitation. If I, if I said, okay, A, B, and C are logical, and I see the, it's like a logical and practical, you know, assumption my, or model in my head, I'll execute. And for me, I do believe, I have a, I have a question, are there competitors right now for Crowdwise? Have you heard of it? Something like this. So there are and there aren't. Okay, so... What does exist today? There's a few people in, in the DAO space, like there's Aragon, for example, right? So if you ever used Aragon, it's a quick way to set up a, a DAO and then to be able to access your DAOs and exercise some levels of governance. That's pretty cool, but it, you cannot... Uh, oh, did I lose you there? No. Oh, okay, it says it's disabled, but okay. Uh, I, with Aragon... It, hold on, does it... Camera is disabled, yeah, due to slow internet connection. For me? For you, yes. Okay, hold on. Uh, if it's fine on your end, I'm, I'm happy to keep going. Did it just say to say? Yeah, it, ju it just popped up. Can't see you. 
Okay, hold on. Say, let me see if you can change. And then let me try again. What about now? Yep, I got you. Okay, go ahead. Okay, uh, where was I? I Aragon, Aragon, <laughs> Aragon Crypto. Yeah, so if you look at Aragon uh, right now, it's, it's a tool that allows you to spin up a DAO pretty quickly. It's actually a pretty good uh, solution. But uh, with Aragon, it's still, discovery is still impossible. Unless you know the DAO you're looking for, you're really not going to find an Aragon. There's no search solution, right? So it really doesn't solve the problem that we're trying to solve. If the problem is just creating DAOs, there's a few solutions out there. But that's really not the problem. And then also, you want your DAOs to be robust and to be evolving. And if you kind of get locked into one system or another, it becomes pretty tough to do that. So Aragon, we feel, is a competitor, but we're not too worried about them. Then there's uh, people like DeepDAO that actually aggregate a lot of data on other DAOs. So they help with DAO discovery, but then you can't create the DAOs. Um, and then there's some other competitors that are trying to get into space doing similar things to what we're doing, where we're combining a lot of these solutions. But they're as early as we are right now, right? So there's people, people are starting to wake up to this idea that, hey, you know, this space needs a unified marketplace, right? So if you look at crypto coins, like there's coin exchanges. If you look at NFTs, there's NFT marketplaces. If you look at stocks, there's stock exchanges. But for DAOs, nothing like that exists. It's so distributed that discovery is impossible. Discovery and then exercising of governance is impossible unless you have hours of time to do that research and to wade through all the crap in, in the, you know, in the ether that's telling you to invest in this project or that project before you get the rug pull, right? You want to get away from all of that. You want to actually make this, this space approachable for the, for, you know, for the guy that has two kids at home, a partner, they just travel an hour every day, both ways for commute. They don't have time for all of that, right? But you don't want them to miss out on the space because then the space doesn't live up to its potential, which is to be the great equalizer for everyone. So what is the relationship? How are you going to, since I, we can agree that a DAO's strength lies in their ability to sell their digital assets, like that's financially at least, not, not just their community, but in terms of finances only. So how how are you going to relate? How is this product, this tech product, going to relate to the NFT market? Is there going to be like a link or a bridge, or is it going to? Are you going to show a graph that shows like that talks about their NFTs? Do you know what I'm trying to say there with that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of NFT markets expose APIs to us, right? OpenSea has really set the standard, which has really built this out, the space out, really well. So we're actually building a protocol into our DAOs for automatic proposal execution, right? If you look at a DAO. Uh, today, you know, like I'll say, I want to create a proposal. Say, I want to buy this board ape number one two seven six, right? And then we can go and we can vote, and everyone says, okay, yeah, let's use the money from our treasury to buy it. But right now, in most DAOs, that means I have to then we have to have some person from the DAO go and actually execute that in OpenSea, right? So this trustless system with no humans in the middle suddenly has a human in the middle of a transaction, right? It's not really a trustless system; it's a lie of a trustless system. So we're building out these automatic proposal executions that actually tie in to OpenSea APIs through the use of different oracles. So if I go and say, I want to buy Board Ape 1276, and we all vote yes, it'll, when, I click, when the approval hits and everything passes, the DAO will automatically execute that. We'll call the OpenSea API, and it'll actually make that purchase for us and send it to our treasury. No human ever touched the treasury at any point. So we are building those things out. And, as, and also, OpenSea also exposes uh, APIs to us to allow us to know the historical price of the NFT, the way it's moving, and some certain predictions about where it'll be in a week or so. So we can actually make pretty good assumptions about the value of the NFT as time goes on. And that can actually feed back to that top level uh, data that we're showing people when they first come on about the value of the DAO. 
And is there going to be a like a section since I'm let's say I'm a DAO member, if I click on the DAO page and you're not a DAO member, if I have an NFT in my wallet, is there going to be areas in this product that I can access as a DAO member because I have the access pass or the access NFT that you can't, or, or is that a possibility in the future? It's a possibility in the future, and it's actually uh, I'm really glad you brought that up. So that's something we're doing right now, right? Like we like I said earlier, we kind of believe in this idea of creating a product for the everyman to kind of find a way to win, right? So we're funding ourselves. We stopped talking to VCs and, and um, angels, even though we have people interested in writing checks today. We actually stopped talking to them because we went back to our values and said, why are we trying to, if, when we take off, all we're doing is consolidating power at the top again, right? We'd rather sell some NFTs, raise the initial funds that way, and have the individuals that own those NFTs have control over our DAO, right? So we're actually building out a crowdwise DAO in tandem with this that can also be openly traded on our product, same way that you can trade Robinhood on Robinhood. Um, and our DAO members will have the first access to that DAO. They'll have a say in the governance of our of our community as a whole. They'll have a say in the direction of the product. And they'll actually have a like they'll be able to commute or combine their power and have a seat on the board of Crowdwise because. You know, we're not like Yuga Labs, where we're an NFT project with a bunch of other NFT projects that are building out cool things. We're a tech company, right? We're a tech company like Coinbase is a tech company. And if you can imagine the first 10,000 users of Coinbase saying, hey, you know, or Coinbase saying to them, hey, you guys have a seat on the board. You guys have combi can combine your influence for one seat on the board, and you guys can have a decision in the future of Coinbase. What's the value of that influence today? A company worth $50 billion What's the value of the influence? It's worth billions of dollars. And that's the value we're actually passing on to our NFT holders for, through our Burbs of Prey project. We believe that you can't build in Web3 if you don't reward your earliest members at every step. Because that's, that, that's one of the things that separates Web3 from Web2, right? If you look at the webs throughout the years, Web1 was about visitors, if you remember that little counter at the bottom of the page. And then Web2 was about users. Like, how can we lock people into our system and exploit them? And then Web3 turned that on its head and says, it's not about users, it's about members, right? These people are equals with us. They are stakeholders in us. As we do well, they need to do well. And the second we don't live up to our promises to them, they can take their assets with them and go somewhere else that will, right? That's, that's, that's the beauty of it. It gives the power back to the individual. So the only way to really engage the individual is to add value for them. And bringing them in as NFT members that run our DAO and that have access to our seats on the board it gives them unparalleled access. There's no tech company in the world that's done this yet, not that I know of at least. And we believe that value and that influence will be worth billions in the future. So I, I, I definitely agree, but I, you also highlighted my criticism of DAOs and I wanna bring this to you now and I wanna ask your opinion. And I, I believe that for DAOs to get to the mainstream, they had two problems. Your product addresses one of them, but I do think it's not one or the other. I think it has to be both uh, and. So my, sec my second and my number one criticism of DAOs in general was it's not like a criticism. It's like a value. Like it's like a, a problem. Let's all try and solve it. <laughs> I don't really want to criticize DAOs. But um, my thing is why I was looking at these DAOs, right? I'm a member of the Cool Cats. I'm a maxi. Like I love the Cool Cats. I play Cooltopia every day, collect my milk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have one of the largest <laughs> cats collections one day. But, but for me... I'm building my own shit. I don't got time to be in their DAO or do something. Like, I would expect yeah. to be there, like, if, if, and this is hypothetical, and this is also a little bit bold, and I, I apologize because I'm nowhere near any of their level. But if they were to ask me, 
to be part of their DAO, to have influence, I would say you need to pay me for me to allocate my time because I'm so busy, even though I'm not anywhere near your level. Like that's, that's what I'm saying is I was, is when I was looking at DAOs, I was like, it takes a lot. Like someone, I believe for someone to be, do that, they would need some sort of incentive. So I guess my question to throw to you is number, it's a two part question. Number one, how do we incentivize members? Like how, and I guess for a lot of people, I'm wrong because for a lot of people, they do want to join these. Like a lot, you, what you said, that influence is enough for a lot of people. And I guess I'm more so targeting the people who aren't so as ambitious, who don't want that influence, who are just like happy-go-lucky members of a community. Those are still possible DAO customers. So my question to you is, how do we get those people in? And, and then number two, I believe it's through finances somehow. Would there ever be a way to integrate a financial product into your product that solves this issue? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question. I'm glad you asked that because we've thought about that too and we have an answer for you. Um, so we have a series of solutions to this actually. The first solution is you can just um, get a proxy. So I can say, hey, I don't wanna participate but I have this much influence over the DAO. I'm going to allow this person to vote for me. It's a few clicks and now this person that wants to engage gets my share of the votes as well. That's number one. That's Two, yeah. Two, actually, and this one's really what you were talking about, we're incentivizing actions on our, on our uh, application. So not just on our DAO, but on all of the DAOs, right? We want people to engage with their DAOs. So in order to get them to do that, whenever they make proposals or vote on DAOs, we will be airdropping them tokens to the Crowdwise DAO, okay? So the goal of this That's is the tight. people that, That's yeah, the, the goal of this is the people that use our product the most have the most say over the product, right? Like I said, you have to reward the people that get you there. You can't just get there by exploiting people. We're not Facebook, right? You gotta reward the people that got us there. So whoever's most active will get the most tokens, will gain the most influence. Our early bird holders will be the first active people, so they'll have the most influence as well that, through that. It's so funny because I also, I love your concept of creating an NFT project to represent the whole marketplace because when you look at, and this is what I was thinking of doing too for mine, when you look at all these other NFT projects out there, what's the biggest criticism is, what is their actual inherent utility long-term, like actual yeah. set in stone utility that makes you wanna like, ooh, I need this. And as I said, the two biggest prize in human society are social currency and financial currency, and that has to be the value prop for these. And for yours, you're kind of solving that. And I like how yours is tied into the marketplace, whereas if I'm a holder of this, uh, crowdwise pass i'm getting benefits uh from the success of this marketplace the success of this marketplace will affect the value of my digital asset so i i i love the fact of i also think that like this goes back to what i i said earlier too where dude OpenSea should create an nft project like that would be kind of messed up because it would go off and they would make a lot more money than they already have but do you yeah. see like do you see the financial opportunity there like that's what i noticed Absolutely, yeah. That's the thing, right? We, you gotta reward people at every step of the way. They're your holders, right? So I'm a big bull on NFTs and crypto in general, but there's only a few projects I'm invested in because it's exactly what you said. A lot of them make well, huge hold on. Which, ones? Which ones? Okay, so the one I'm most invested in is um, Artifacts Clonex project. So hey, yeah. I interviewed both of. I interviewed Zaptio and Chris Lee on my show. Yeah, I listened to those. Those were great. Yeah, dude, I that's one of the projects I believe will take off be here long term whatever you want to call it oh yeah so i mean just right just to get onto the whitelist of that we had to buy and this is you know what this is actually what inspired crowdwise the us getting into this project uh let me tell you about this so we wanted to buy we want to get into the uh clonex whitelist right 
And the only way to do that is to own another artifact project. So at the time, the floor was $60,000. So it was like 15 ETH, which is, you know, who has $16,000 to buy a shoe, right? Or $60,000 to buy a <laughs> yeah. shoe. So my brothers and I actually combined some assets. We split it like three ways. We bought a shoe. We ended up, as a result, getting whitelisted. We bought three clones at the whitelist price. And then we actually got airdropped a fourth because they were doing that at random because they screwed up the initial launch. So we got a fourth, and then as a result, we now own four clones. We own four monoliths, four loot pods, four space pods, you know, whatever. And as it's expanding, right? So it's, and we still own the shoe. So, you know, it, it really took off. And the reason that this actually inspired... Has, yeah. has the shoe went down in price? Has the shoe went down in price? Oh, yeah. The shoe, uh, before the mint of the clones, went, was at 15 ETH, and now it's at 2 ETH. <laughs> but, but everything... Uh it's like overall the, the the value of the projects like almost eight or nine x mm -hmm. so it's, it's been a, it's been probably one of my best investments so, so i i that's that's the my goal is i'm a cool guy that's the one i got into first i just didn't have the liquidity at the time but i yeah, i yeah. want i'm a big anime geek so i i want that so bad i i i wanted my goal is to get into clones big time that's one of like i want to get murakami assets across like i want to get the murakami traits but those we are like three murakami seeds because oh, of that Oh really? That's crazy. Yeah. And those are going for those of you guys that don't know, those are going for like seventy to what? Seventy ETH might be a floor art. What what's the floor on those right now? No no. It's seven ETH, so it's going for like seven. Uh, oh. Yeah. No but, no 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 uh, no no. I'm I'm talking about the oh, clones with trip. Yeah, traits yeah. on the clones. Yeah. yeah, those are oh, those so, like oh so you got whitelist for Murakami seeds. Because I had three clones with Murakami trip. That's crazy. Okay, see that's awesome. Yeah. What other communities are you invested in? So I invested in this one. I actually kind of, I'm not sure if this one's worth holding right now, but I invested in Slotty because they made this big promise that, you know, you're going to get the funds from these casinos. And it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. I can see a utility built into that, right? And I've just been holding it and it's dropped in price by half since I bought it. I'm, and I, they're still pretty cheap, right? But I'm just sitting here like, is this worth holding? Is, are things really happening? I don't really know here. And I, they, they're pretty active on their Discord, but I still don't feel convinced. So so projects like that as well. So I actually was working uh, at this company called NFT Stadium, and we had a lot of gaming individuals in our and poker individuals on our team, and we were actually studying Slotty when they dropped. I think, number one, it's going to take time because this is the trickiest and messiest sector is gaming and regulations. So they're probably – they're either executing slowly or not executing. I would like to think they're executing slowly because I, I do think it's a professional brand and, and there's good backers behind it. I would hold, I mean, at this point, you can't, there's no point in, in exiting. There's no point in selling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I would hold. I think either way, you're good. Do you, how many brothers do you have? I got two brothers. So you guys each own, so, so one who each, owns we two. We each own a third. So we each own okay. a third of the whole project. Okay, okay. And this, so this is what I was getting at, right? How do we, how do we handle this now? Like, let's say tomorrow, I'm like, oh no, you know, I have a big medical bill or something. I don't know. And I need, I need that liquidity. What's going to happen? Do we have to sell everything? What if they think there's more upside? That's a problem, right? But with a DAO, again, you can, if this is all owned by a DAO and I said, hey, I need to get out for whatever reason, I have liquidity. I could sell my tokens to someone else says, I want to get on this, I see upside. And there's no problems there, right? So DAOs actually solve that problem. And with our system, right, there's not just these big DAOs that need to be huge mega DAOs that are worth billions of dollars. You can, since it's so easy to create a DAO and trade them, you can create small DAOs that want to do exactly what we did, buy this one product, have it proliferate, have it grow the way this has. And then as I need liquidity, I can get out. It's super simple. And we can just call it our own DAO or whatever we and, want to name it. And so I guess where do you see 
this product in the like the future like how will this look like in, in in five ten years like not even let's say 20 years when everybody when there's a DAO for everything like do you think that ever there's there's gonna be like millions of DAOs listed on your product yeah yeah absolutely i think that DAOs are going to be the future of all types of organization i think all organization in the world is going to happen through DAOs in the next five to ten years that's actually i'm so bullish on them that I quit my job, everything, you know, like I, I turned down a job at Google. I turned down some late stage talks at Coinbase because I said, like, I don't need all that. I see this future and I'm going to build it. So I'm super bullish on DAOs. I actually like I really I love that just because what you're building is going to also lead to the play to earn boom, because think about it. What's a guild? The same as DAO. Yeah. It's pretty much a DAO. Um, it, literally, it's a very similar model. So for me, I think that's something in play to earn models and in just the gaming community where if guilds are established and people are like really want to join guilds, it's like, do you know what, uh, did you go to college out here in the States? Yeah. Where? Yeah, I went to University of Houston in Texas. Okay. So was that a Greek life school? Not really. A little bit. There was like one frat on campus that actually threw parties. Okay. But do you know, have you heard of the stigma at these Greek life schools during college? like? These guys come in, these young guys, and they want to join the best fraternity, right? With all the all the girls are there, the, the cool guys, right? Sure. Well, the same type of feeling should be applied globally towards guilds and DAOs, or guilds yeah. at least. That that was my thought on play to earn is like, and during Alluvium, like these Alluvium, the Alluvium community needs to want to join the best Alluvium guild. Same with Axie Infinity. Like it's like a feeling of like exclusivity of pride. Like the way people feel about Greek life in the physical world. I really want one day people to feel like that towards gaming. In that's your family. That's your family. That's your that's your community. That's your tribe. I totally what? get it. What? Like your guild, right? It's like your tribe. It's it's yes. who you are. You're identifying with it. And this, but would yeah. you consider? Would you say that's your DAO? That's what a DAO is. I would say that's similar to what a DAO is. You know what I like to uh, what I like to compare it to? I like to compare it to Wall Street bets. And this is the, the true degen in me, right? If you go back a year and a half, if you look at Wall Street bets, right? They're not a DAO, they're, they're, a, they're a subreddit, right? But what did they do? It was a bunch of people with stimmy checks that basically said, hey, we believe in this company and you know, I'm gonna put my 1500 bucks towards this. And thousands of people from around the world bet on this company and took down a hedge fund. Now, could you, and thousands of individuals with very little money took down a hedge fund, right? That what they did essentially is they, they took individuals and they combined their resources over a shared mission. To me, that's what a DAO is. It's an ability to organize and uh, pool resources towards some greater goal. A DAO allows you to do that. And I want, I want you to talk about really quickly because I think I want to actually touch on something. You, you said earlier, like when, when you were interviewing for these jobs, not in, you had them in your hand and you chose. You said, no, I don't need this. I, want, I, want to, I see the future. I want to build it. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple questions. I want to just address the start of that because I feel like a lot of people um, in their early 20s want to be a business, want to enter business, want to be in business. Um, but I feel like some of them are doing it for the wrong reasons, some of them are for the right reasons. But I think that the important thing is to study people who are doing it and study their mindsets. And there are a couple things I noticed. Number one, I wanted to ask you, do you believe you need a tech background? Uh, as a founder, I, I personally believe that that's the most important skill, even if I don't have a tech background, but I'm pushing to get integrated and learn the lingo because that is the most you need to be integrated with that in sync with that. And number two, uh, I guess my my question is what what type of mindset do you need to embark on this type of journey? Like, do you need like do you need like stones in your stomach? Like what type of conviction do you need if you don't mind going through that? Yeah, so I think that 
Personally, I would prefer seeing someone with a tech background, right? Because it's, it's not just that you have a good idea. I think everyone has a good idea. It's can you bring it to reality, right? So if you're building a tech company, either you need to have a tech background or you need to be a really good salesman and have a really good technical partner. I think someone at the time of founding has to have a good tech background. Luckily for us, both myself and my partner uh, have worked at some of the biggest companies in the world as engineers. So we definitely have a tech background. Um, I think that's super important, but however, I have, so I worked at Peloton recently and the CEO did not have a tech background and maybe that leads, that led to kind of the fallout for that company in the last few months. But it's doable, right? If you're a good salesman, if you can really sell a story, and that's really what you're doing at this early stage, you're selling a story, like this is what we're gonna be, this is how we're gonna change things. Then if people are willing to buy into that, you can put the right team together and that's totally doable. So if you're not tech, you need to be a good salesman. You need to really have a grand vision and you need to know how to execute. You need to know how to put the right people around you. That's super important. And then as far as actually going out on your own, um, you know, my whole life, since the day I graduated college, I said, I'm gonna own a business one day, right? Originally, it wasn't a tech company. It was just gonna be a business. And then as I went on and I entered this industry, I saw, okay, you know, I can build anything. Like I can imagine it and bring it to life if I want to dedicate enough time. So let me think a little bigger than just like a pizza shop, right? Um, and I started doing that and I kept on saying, you know, one day I'm going to do this, one day I'm going to do this. And then finally when I was at Peloton and a lot of things were going wrong there early, like when I started, I kind of started right at the top of their stock right before it started dropping all the way down. And just like a week in, I started to see all these problems. I said, maybe I'm imagining these problems because this company has like run up and if I'm seeing these problems now and this company has been running up, maybe I'm not looking at the problem properly, right? I kept on doubting myself, saying like, I don't know, someone else knows more than me. And over the over like six months, the stock, the stock kept dropping. I kept saying, you know what? I, I could see every reason this company is dropping. I could see what leadership's doing. I don't agree with any of it. And it continued to drop it every time. And I finally had to say to myself, hey, I'm able to identify problems. I'm able to identify solutions. I'm able to see these things. And people above me, just because they're hierarchically above me, doesn't mean that they know more than me. I know what's going on. I know how to build a product. I know how to build a business. And now that I have, and I have a really good technical partner that's, like I said, she's an absolute beast, right? She, like I said, she owns, she has multiple patents in the cloud infrastructure space. She was actually the youngest engineer. People don't need, people need to understand because I'm pursuing my first one right now in tech. That is so big as a career landmark to have multiple patents in a certain uh, sector of tech. That is so yeah. big for your career. It's gigantic. And you know, she did it. She's not even 30 yet. She's actually like 20, she's 27. She's the youngest oh, person. Yeah, one to, year older than me. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. To go from junior to mid-level to senior in EC. So she's on the EC2 team at Amazon, uh, or she was at uh, AWS, which basically runs the internet. And she was the youngest person to get the senior. In do you day. mind if I ask her if I have a meeting with you too? I just need to ask how to do this. I'm a little bit confused. Like, do you mind if I ever ask you guys for advice on how to like pursue a patent? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's we're, we're, in fact, go ahead. Even for even for Crowdwise, we have some technologies that we're building out that we're going to be patenting soon. Like, I'm just kind of like the, I'm. I'm. I guess I'm a very. I'm a mover, and I'm. I want to speed the process up. And my lawyers are telling me like, have hold on. Like this is like it's gonna take some time. And I'm. I'm it's, like. It's not a fast process. It's. Slow. See that. So okay. See yeah. If you don't mind, if you guys ever have some spare time, can I ask you guys some questions? Please. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, go on. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. So you know, we have a really strong technical team. So that gave me a lot of confidence. And then just my time at Peloton. Like I, I think it's. 
seeing that you're right despite people telling you you're wrong constantly and then being proven right at every step you start to say i don't need someone to tell me i don't need to sit here and second guess myself i know to believe in myself and i think that's just what pushed me over the edge i believe in myself i know it. i've seen it i've done it i've built products for the biggest companies in the world and i've seen when they've screwed up and they weren't able to address it what i would have done differently so let me do that for myself so i honestly love what you just said there i think you you killed it i think i think that do you feel like everybody has that? Or, like, why do you think you believe in yourself? Do you think you were born with that, or do you think that was developed by variables in your environment over time? Oof, no, I was a shy kid. I, uh, I, I wouldn't look people in the eye. Yeah, I yeah would... hold on, hold on. But you were shy, but that means you were raw and underdeveloped. But, like, did you still have, like, feelings of ambition when you were younger? Did you, were you always ambitious? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think there was ever a day where I didn't imagine a grand future. I never imagined a world where I'm just going to get a job and be happy. Right, like uh, I'll throw some numbers. My first job out of college was I was in the finance industry. My first job out of college was like a 40k job, right? Not exactly something to write home about. It's average, I guess. It's actually below average right now. And you know, on top of that, you have like a car payment, you have rent, and that's before taxes. It's not a lot of money. And I always said, you know, this is temporary. This is just for me to build assets to, to figure out what I'm doing. And over time, I grew that, and you know, then I got to tech and it started taking off. Uh, but you know, it's it's about it's it's not about where you start. It's about just having that drive, right? Like I never, I never stood still and said, I'm just in a position where I don't know how to get forward. I always said, I don't know how to get forward. I'm gonna keep on swimming. I'm gonna figure it out. Like I never just went home and watched TV and did nothing. I'd, I'd sit up and I'd study stuff. I'd figure out opportunities. I'd apply to 10 jobs a day that were paying more. You know, I'd be practicing interviewing. I'd always had this ambition to do more and make more. And at some point, it stopped being about money. Like. Like I said, if I wanted money, I just take the Google job, right? I, I just take a Coinbase job, I get their stock. Over the next 20 years, I'm going to retire very comfortably with that stock, right? But it wasn't about that. It became about a goal. Like, hey, I found a path to go from, you know, here to here. But I know so many people struggle. At one point, I was a bartender, right? Making like minimum wage, right? I've been through. I've been through all of it. And I, I, yeah, but, I yeah, yeah, but bartenders make good tips, though, right? Right? Uh, not if you're at a crappy dive bar oh, okay, in the okay, street. I see. Uh, you you left that out. You left that detail out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And what, what you would find is a lot of people I bartended with are still bartending. A lot of people I worked in my first, uh, my first job that was making much money are still there. You know? And it's, it's, it's not that I had anything that they didn't have. I really didn't. I'm not smarter than them. I don't have, like, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not someone that's born with amazing genetics where I'm just bound to succeed. It's just, not, it's just not being okay with your current situation, saying I can do more. You're, and event you're, you're just focused. Yeah. Eventually, you get to a point where you say, not only can I do more, but I can do it myself. And I, I, that, I was just saying that. Sorry for, for cutting you off. But why I said focused is because what you're describing, like this, this drive and motivation for people, like number one, I feel like – I don't feel like – that's hard. Not everybody has that. So number one, no. that's the first – can yeah. we agree on that? Number – and I, I feel like number two is something I've realized recently is I've seen some kids like I consider myself a talkative, aggressive, you know, alpha male. But then I see I've, I ran into this introvert like a week ago in, in Las Vegas here where I live. And this kid was a stud in tech, a stud, an executor. But he was opposite from me. He just he didn't have a brand, nothing. And he was he's not going to get off the ground unless he like puts himself out there. But the things he was building, I was like, bro, I can't. That's so impressive. And so I guess I, I realized that taught me something that as to what you were saying is the, the key difference between the people that like get there and don't is, is what you said, constantly going forward, focus. 
It's it's like you said it's drive, and I think that's your version of it. I think what we're saying we're synonymous. I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is I do think the passion and the motivation is important, but like just the th- fact of you thinking about it every day, constantly thinking about it, like not stopping. Don't let the thoughts go out of your head, even when you're happy, comfortable. You're watching sports with your friends, mm-hmm. girlfriend. Think about it. Put that thought in your head. Like shit, I gotta get this patent. Shit, I gotta write this white paper. Or yeah. the focus of it every day, I think, is what uh, separates people. But to, if I was going to ask you, I always ask my guests this at, at the end of the episode. If where would you say if you were to if we were to have a conversation a year from now, where would you say Crowdwise would be? One year. I'd say one year, not five. One year. Okay. Different answers then, I guess. Yeah. yeah. One year from now, I'd say Crowdwise will become will start will start trending as and it'll bring DAOs into the mainstream. That's our goal. We're not, we're not gonna be the only name in DAOs in one year. In five years, we are. In one year, Ooh, we're gonna be... Talk heavy. If, <laughs> we know the problems and we know how to build the solutions. That's all there is to it. Um, in one year, though, we're gonna be bringing DAOs into the mainstream. 